0: Good morning again. Welcome to Prairie View Christian Church. Thanks for joining us here this morning. At our most recent membership lunch, we offered up short, simple books for people to take home. And those books were entitled, I Am a Church Member. And then, in November of 2020, our own elder Joshua Walker preached a somewhat sarcastically titled sermon called How to Be a Bad Church Member. At Prairie View, we think church membership is an important, helpful, and wise practice. So we place high emphasis on what it means to be a part of a church, with all the privileges, responsibilities, attitudes, and actions that entails. We work hard to discern how to live as brothers and sisters in Christ within the household of God. But with all this attention paid to what a church member is called to be, there's another equally important question worth asking. What is a pastor? What is a pastor? More specifically, who should a pastor be? What should a pastor do? How should a pastor live? The most obvious biblical answers to these questions can be found in passages like 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, and 1 Peter 5. Those passages outline many of the most important qualifications, characteristics, and expectations of a local church's leaders. And while all three of those passages are excellent places to turn, So helpful that we encouraged you to read them before you voted to affirm elders over the past few weeks. As helpful as those passages might be, they're not the only ones to consider. There's another often overlooked selection from the New Testament that can help us answer this question. What is a pastor? In Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38, we read the Apostle Paul's farewell address to the elders of the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was a thoroughly pagan city, so Paul knew these elders could have hard days of ministry ahead of them. On top of that, Paul played a crucial role in the development of the church there. So he had a personal, sentimental, invested interest in their well-being. Finally, Paul did not expect to be around much longer to help this church find its way. So he gives these elders specific instruction about how to be the pastors their church needs them to be, how to be the pastors that God calls them to be. This farewell takes place as Paul is making his way toward Jerusalem. From there, he'll go to Rome. Scholars debate whether or not Paul ever made it out of Rome alive. The evidence indicates that Paul likely made one more missionary journey not recorded in the book of Acts. But if Paul is right... If this really is the last time he's going to see these Ephesian church leaders who he cares about so much, then he leaves them with a timeless teaching, a shining example, and a clear answer to the question, what is a pastor? So open up to Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Feel free to use our Bibles if you didn't bring one and take a Bible home if you don't have one. But before we go further, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for this word that we unite under. Thank you that you haven't left us to guess or speculate about who you are, but you have clearly revealed who you are to us. We see your identity imprinted on the world that you made. We know something about you because we're made in your image. We have this longing to know you as we should. And we have this word to read that tells us so much about you. And we're grateful for it, Lord. Help us love and submit to your word, to treasure it, value it as the gift that it is, and be changed by it. And Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus, who may be the ultimate revelation of who you are. God in the flesh, thank you, Lord, for who you are, for what you did, for what you still have left to do when one day you return. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your resurrection. And thank you that by faith in you, we are children of God, that we are forgiven, that we're justified. And Lord, I pray that you would help us be who we are, Help us embrace that identity. And Lord, I pray you'd be with us this morning as we worship you. Help our worship be honoring to you, but also good for us. Lord, again, we love you. We thank you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is a pastor? Well, it depends on who you ask. John Stott once wrote, There is much uncertainty today about the role of the church's leaders. What are clergy, if we use this word? Are they priests or pastors, preachers, presbyters, prophets, or psychotherapists? Are they educators, facilitators, administrators, managers, or social workers? Different answers are given to these questions. In fact, the church has oscillated between two opposite unbiblical extremes. Namely, clericalism, putting pastors on a pedestal, and anti-clericalism, knocking them off again. Now that churches have recovered the every-member ministry of the local church, people are asking whether clergy are not redundant. Eugene Peterson strikes a slightly more warning-type tone. He says, American pastors are abandoning their posts left and right and at an alarming rate. They are not leaving their churches and getting other jobs. Congregations still pay their salaries. Their names remain on church stationery, and they continue to appear in pulpits on Sundays. But they are abandoning their posts, their calling. They have gone whoring after other gods. What they do with their time under the guise of pastoral ministry has not the remotest connection with what the church's pastors have done for most of 20 centuries. The pastors of America have transformed into a company of shopkeepers. And the shops they keep are churches. They are preoccupied with shopkeepers' concerns, how to keep the customers happy, how to lure customers away from competitors down the street, or how to package the goods so the customers will lay out more money. To show my cards for a moment, I share many of Eugene Peterson's concerns. Too often, pastors like me are tempted to understand ourselves more in the model of a CEO, the face of an organization, entertainers, or motivational speakers. I fear that we're using the wrong metrics to measure the success and the effectiveness of pastors. I fear that we're not really sure what a pastor is. But don't just take my word for it. Let's see what Paul has to say about what a pastor is called to be. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia which he obtained with his own blood. Verse 28, quick side note, is a very important verse because it tells us a couple things. Number one, it tells us that local church leaders, ministers, elders, pastors, we are overseers, we are stewards of the church put in place by the Holy Spirit. That tells us that it's not our church, We're not in charge of the church. This church does not belong to us. It's been entrusted to us by God. That's one important thing about verse 28. The next important thing about verse 28 is where it says that God obtained the church with His own blood. Who died on the cross? Not a trick question. Who died on the cross? Jesus died on the cross. But verse 28 tells us that God obtained the church with His own blood. So if Jesus died on the cross, and God obtained the church with His own blood, what does that tell us about Jesus? Exactly. Verse 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me in all things. I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all they embraced, Paul and kissed him being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Now there's a lot to work with here. So rather than trying to drink from a fire hose, let's break it down into three broad, digestible categories. First, what is a pastor? Well, a pastor possesses faithful character. Faithful character. The first characteristic Paul mentions is humility. Verse 19. He displays humility in verses 33 through 35. Paul was not concerned with impressive appearances. He didn't expect anything to be handed to him because he was Paul. And he was not above caring for the weak. He was humble. We also see Paul's lack of partiality in verses 20 and 21. He went from house to house, public and private, preaching to everyone. Jew, Greek, and everything in between. Paul didn't play favorites. While he was known as the apostle to the Gentiles, he would share the gospel with anyone and everyone in his path. In verses 22 and 23, we see that Paul was led by the Holy Spirit. He didn't set his own itinerary. He went where God led him. Verse 26 tells us that Paul sought to be above reproach. Now, it's true that no pastor is perfect, including Paul. We're all sinners. But as his ministry to the Ephesians concludes, Paul can say with a straight face that he is innocent of the blood of all. He has fulfilled his duty, preaching and otherwise. And finally, Paul was selfless. Verse 24. The cause of the gospel of grace mattered more than his personal desires, ambitions, or liberties. He was laser focused on the calling given to him by Christ. Paul was faithful to God, faithful to his people, and faithful to his mission. He was a man of faithful character as every pastor worth his salt should strive to be. So first, faithful in character. Second, a pastor possesses courageous leadership. Courageous leadership. As we read in verses 22 and 23, Paul was willing to follow the Holy Spirit's lead. Come what may. Through trials in the past. And if you don't believe him... Turn back a few pages to Acts chapter 14. Paul was willing to let go. Verse 32. Formally and finally turning the church he had poured so much energy into over to someone else. That took trust. It took confidence. And yes, it took courage. Paul was willing to preach the whole counsel of God. Verse 27. He didn't shy away from the truths of the gospel that may have been offensive, sensitive, or controversial. Truths about sin, repentance, and judgment. Those truths still need to be preached today. And pastors need to have the courage and the backbone to do it. And Paul was willing to issue warnings. Verses 28 through 31. He was direct about the threat of false teaching and false teachers. Avoiding confrontation, not rocking the boat would have been much easier. But it wouldn't have been courageous. Two times in this passage, Paul uses an interesting word. We see it in verses 20 and 27. Shrinking back. Or shrinking. Church leaders must learn to be courageous. Not timid. Hesitant or silent. Not shrinking back. So who is a pastor? One of faithful character. One of courageous leadership. And third, a pastor must possess sincere love. Sincere love. Three separate times in these verses, we see Paul shedding tears. Verse 19, he served through tears. Verse 31, he admonished the disciples with tears. Verse 37, he wept when it was time to leave. Paul shed these tears because he loved Christ and because he loved Christ's people. This wasn't a gig, a job, or even a career for Paul. It was a calling, a vocation, a purpose from God himself. And Paul showed it with his sincere love. He proved it with his tears. Pastors are called to love their churches the way Paul loved these Ephesian believers. If a pastor is faithful in character and courageous in leadership, but lacking in sincere love for God and his people, that's all well and good. He may be a good guy and a bold witness, But he's not yet a pastor. So, who was Paul? We often place all the emphasis on Paul as a church planter, Paul as a gifted writer, or Paul as a brilliant theologian. And while Paul really was all of those things, that's not all he was. He was a faithful, courageous, and loving pastor. And if you don't already have one, I would encourage you, get you a pastor who looks at you the way Paul looked at the Christians in Ephesus. Of course, most of the people hearing this sermon are not pastors in the formal sense of the term. You don't hold an office or a title. You haven't been elected to a position and you don't get a paycheck from the church Though maybe some of you should. It's fairly obvious that those people need to hear this sermon. People like me, Zach, and our elders need to be reminded of our callings and our responsibilities. But I'd also suggest that we all need to hear this. Even if you've never been a pastor before, aren't one now and don't plan to be one in the future. Every Christian needs to hear this because every Christian needs a pastor. Or ideally two or three or more. And as you look for your pastor, you need to know what to look for. So find a church with the kind of pastors we've discussed today. Those of faithful character, courageous leadership, and sincere love. Even if those pastors aren't as cool, charismatic, or savvy as the ones down the street. And if you're part of a church where the pastors are falling short of this bar, tell them. And yes, that includes us. And if your pastor doesn't listen, if they are consistently Unrepentantly failing in their God given responsibilities, then leave. Historically, pastors have been referred to as spiritual physicians. One author refers to elders who, if it hasn't been made clear by now, are absolutely included in this broad term, pastors, that I've been using all morning. That author refers to elders as Jesus's. Assistance. An early church father named Clement the way to the prize of endurance. Paul was a spiritual physician, an assistant to Jesus, and an example of endurance. He was a faithful, courageous, and loving pastor. Find pastors and expect your pastors to do and be the same. 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 1, is one of those passages that we mentioned earlier, the go-to New Testament selections about what a pastor is. We read there. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, Arguably, the most important scriptural image of a pastor is that of shepherd. Pastors are under shepherds of Christ's flock, pointing the flock to the chief shepherd, Jesus himself. You need good pastors. I need good pastors who will point our eyes to Jesus. Hebrews 13, verse 17, which should be on the screen behind me, is sometimes seen as a scary verse, mainly because the first half talks about submitting to leaders. That scares us because we don't like the idea of submission in general. But it also scares us because, sadly, there are many examples of abusive and corrupt church leaders misusing this verse to bludgeon their congregations Into submission. But Hebrews 13, verse 17, shouldn't be scary. Because it shouldn't only be used to remind church members to obey their leaders, it should also remind leaders of our responsibility to the church, of our responsibility to God. Look at the second half of verse 17. The part that often gets overlooked. One day pastors will be held accountable for how we kept watch over your souls. So find pastors who care for your soul. Who recognize that they will answer to God for how they care for you. Find pastors who are faithful in character, courageous in leadership, and sincere in love. Find pastors who will point you to the best pastor, Jesus himself. That's who a pastor is. That's what a pastor does. That's how a pastor lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time we have together Thank you for your word that is timeless, that always has something to say to us. As we enter a new month of July in our church's history, when elders who were up for re-election get re-elected or confirmed, I pray that our church's pastors would recognize our calling, would recognize our responsibility, would be the kinds of pastors you call us to be, be the kinds of pastors this church needs us to be, the kinds of pastors that your flock deserves. I pray that we would fulfill that calling, fulfill that responsibility, surely not perfectly because we will mess up, but that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would be the shepherds that you call us to be. Lord, I pray for churches and pastors That beyond the walls of this church, there would be more healthy churches, more godly pastors, shepherding your people in different places at different times and in different ways. Thank you for providing pastors, pastors who all of us can look to and remember that they led us to Christ. Thank you for the pastors that you put in my life, who led me to Christ, who discipled me. And I pray that all of us would have similar influences and similar figures to, to shepherd us. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with this church. Help us be a God-honoring church. And that so often starts with leadership. So again, help us be godly leaders, godly shepherds, for your glory, for the good of these people, for the good of your church. And thank you for Jesus, the chief shepherd, the one who laid down his life for his sheep. Lord, thank you for your body and your blood and your resurrection. And sustain us and preserve us until you return. Again, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.